welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Our interview guest today is Hernan Lozada, the coach of DC United. Before we get going, you can sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com. It has all my writing, including on-site coverage of every U.S. Men's National Team World Cup qualifier. That's grantwall.com. The best way to support my work is by taking out a paid subscription. In segment one, Chris Whittingham and I will break down the news in the soccer world. We'll have Hernan Lozada in segment two. But let's bring in Witty from out on Radio Row at the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, continuing my streak of being the only person here that talks about the other kind of football. Very excited. <laughs> Although I have been told that uh, there could be a few soccer figures from the L.A. teams that could make their way through Radio Row. So uh, hopefully, hopefully. There will be some other people here that want to talk some football of the other variety. They probably like if if it's like Carlos Vela or someone like that. He'll he'll probably want to talk like NBA from what I hear about his yes. interests. And and when you bring up soccer, he'll probably like clam up or walk <laughs> Get out away. Of here with or that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that sounds like fun. I hope you're having fun out there this week and and not just working around the clock. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of both, isn't it? Like, like that's the, th- the thing about working on Levitard show is that it's organized work fun. And so, yeah, we've had a couple of really long days, but it's like meeting Adam McKay, the uh, screenwriter and film director, who's absolutely incredible, and, you know, having lunch with a comedian, or having dinner with the comedian Brad Williams and David Spade's in the corner of the room and takes <laughs> us to the comedy store. So, yeah, it, it is organized and hardworking fun, but fun nonetheless. Nice. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying yourself out there. Not a lot to talk about midweek here, but I wanted to start with the Club World Cup. We have the two expected teams in the finals, Chelsea and Paul Maris, the European champion and the South American champion. But it didn't come easy for Chelsea in the semifinal against Al-Hilal. 1-0 Chelsea in this one. And Kepa kind of saved him a couple of times from getting the equalizer and really making this a game. Um, how do you feel about how do you feel about the Club World Cup as a tournament? How do you feel about where it is right now? I actually think it's a great idea. I kind of I, I sort of think in some ways it's a pure competition just because it's the champion of every continent and you see what those teams kind of comparative level is. I actually think the Al Hilal, I've actually, uh, believe it or not, commentated a game of theirs before <laughs> in my vast expanse of commentating experience. <laughs> they actually play some really decent stuff and they're committed to playing some decent stuff as well. And you can tell by the way that they committed to play against Chelsea. You look at the possession figures, Chelsea didn't blow them out of the water. And They've got some technical players in that team. And so I, I love that. I, I was kind of bummed at the way that Monterrey went out just because you want to see the, the CONCACAF representation do a bit, better, a bit better than that. I would like to see an expanded version of the Club World Cup where, you know, maybe you get, you know, 12 or, you know, 10 teams from Europe or maybe other champions of all the European teams and the champions of the top leagues uh, in, in other places. But, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of this competition. It's just they always play it in the Middle, in the middle East in the, you know, at a bad time uh, for, to, for people to actually watch it. So uh, I, I would kind of like to see the tournament be blown, up, blown out a little bit more. This is actually one of the non-loony ideas of Johnny Infantino, the FIFA president. That I kind of like the expanded club World Cup, maybe once every four years, but with 24 teams or 32 teams from around the world. And 
I would watch that. I'd watch every game of that. That would be absolutely fantastic. And if it makes money for FIFA, great. Just don't make the World Cup every two years. How about that in return? <laughs> but like, I, I think that would be a great idea for a tournament. I, don't, I wouldn't want to see a, that kind of tournament every year, I don't think. But, um, and, and then it gets a little tough, right? Because what about, what if you're, your continental champion on the other three years when there's not a FIFA Club World Cup. Or maybe if it's a 32-team tournament, you include all those champions yeah. in it. I don't know. Um, I, I think there's something to work with there. Uh, and there is talent outside of Europe and South America. And there is the capability of teams competing because Ali Lal had some good players, you know, players that we've seen before, like Odia Nigalo, Musa Morega. Andre Carrillo came on in this game, the Peruvian. So, you know, and then there's players you may not have even heard of who can play. And, yeah. and I like that. I, I like that about the AFCON recently that, yes, there's these big stars from Europe whose names we all know, but some of the most fun players in the AFCON were players who play in Africa for their clubs and you may not have heard of. And they were going toe-to-toe -to -toe in beating some of these big-name players from Europe. So... That's compelling to me. But um, we'll see about Chelsea Palmeiras in the final. That's on Saturday. There's no reason that shouldn't be a good game. Palmeiras mm -hmm. has won the last two Copa Libertadores. Um, just uh, a really good tournament team. So I'll be watching that one. Looking forward to it. Um, other news I wanted to ask you about. Sheridan Shakiri, the star Swiss player, former Liverpool former Lyon most recently, former Bayern Munich, former lots of things, um, <laughs> has joined the Chicago Fire. And they paid a pretty significant transfer fee to bring him over. He's going to be available from the start of the season. Wasn't doing that much with Lyon, which is why this deal got done, I think. What are your thoughts on Shakiri Shaq? to Chicago. Well, it also comes on the heels of a report today that they're in for the Atlas winger, Jairo Torres, who uh, was a good young player in Mexico that I've seen a few times. And Chicago, if you want to talk about it on a small level, is certainly a team with massive potential. When you look at the ownership that they have now, Joe Mansueto is as committed of an owner as there is in Major League Soccer. And he bought into a vision two years ago that just flatly didn't pan out. And now they're coming up with a new one. And Shakiri certainly brings a huge name to Major League Soccer in the global game and if you want to look at it on a more global level I think MLS has actually done a bit better in this regard in this transfer window you look at some of the names that they're linked with you know bringing in Lorenzo Insigne you look at Shakiri, uh, even uh, Douglas Costa going to LA Galaxy that's kind of a an older school MLS transfer although Douglas Costa is only 31 so in theory he should have a lot more to offer but there's some bigger names coming in and not, I mean, you don't want to get like conspiratorial or anything, but they are, you know, in the final year of a television deal, and maybe you want to make yourself a little bit more marketable, but not in a way that dilutes the product. I think these are gonna, these are going to be players that add to the product of MLS. It's not kind of thirty-six-year-old guys on their very last legs. Serdar so Shakiri can offer a fair bit, I would imagine, to the Chicago Fire, and I'm curious to see how they build a system around him, how much, how commitment he, he uh, how committed he is to the running that you have to do, and taking on board how different the league is and probably anything he's ever experienced in in the game but 
I'm really excited for this and, and, and kind of makes Chicago another team. Where, all right, they see them on the schedule, and I get to see Jordan Shakiri in this game. Yeah, we've talked over the years about how Chicago's this sleeping giant. Well, it needs to stop sleeping yeah. at some point, and maybe this is the start of that. We'll see. I mean, I, I totally agree with you on Mansueto. He's spent a lot of money to acquire this team. He's spending money on players, brought the team back to Soldier Field. We'll see if they maybe build a stadium, another one. Uh, at some point here, but he's not lacking in money uh, or ambition, which I think is a good thing. One of the things I tweeted was, I love the diversity of strategies in MLS of how you build your teams, because there are still teams like the LA Galaxy, like Toronto, we had Bob Bradley on recently, uh, like Chicago, who still want to sign big name European players. and I, I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm into that. That helps with TV ratings. That helps with attention. And obviously, you want those players to bring it. I like the other strategies of signing young South Americans who are the best players on the continent their age who may come to MLS on their way to Europe. You know, And we've seen LAFC do that and Atlanta do that and other teams. I like the idea of focusing on homegrowns. You know, and we've seen Philadelphia do that. We've seen... You know, Dallas do that to an extent. And, there's, and some teams have a mix. But I like the fact that there's a variety. And even in the interview coming up after this with Hernan Lozada, he talks about the diversity of playing styles in MLS and how he likes that. He said that when he was in Belgium, there was not much variety. So if MLS can have variety, that's a good thing. And so I like... The one thing about Shakiri that makes me a little concerned is that he didn't do much at all for Lyon. And sometimes this mm-hmm. stuff is situational. I realize he's still very much a part of the Swiss outfit that's going to be part of the World Cup that is a better team than anyone wants to acknowledge. So that should keep him motivated, I think. But it's not a guarantee that he's going to light up the league. Yeah, I mean, and you look at his club record, he's always been very much a potential player and not a massive results player. I mean... You look at his best numbers since, uh, you know, departing Basel, which is where the connection is from, by the way. Uh, The current sporting director at Chicago was the sporting director at FC Basel in Switzerland when Shakiri was coming through. George Heights. And so that's where that connection comes from. But if you look at, you know, his best season since, like, it's top goals is eight and top assists is seven. And that's when he was with with Stoke in the Premier League. And so he's kind of had a career that goes all over the place. Went to Bayern Munich, then went to Inter, then... Is probably the only person who have gone from Bayern Munich and Inter to then Stoke, uh, and then has been kind of a, a role player with Liverpool. So the background of this player is not one of you know scoring 15, 20 goals a season, but I, I think what you're trying to extrapolate, and what a lot of clubs try and do is, all right, if I grow out his role, if I built a team around him and allowed him to thrive as the best player on the field, can you score me 15, 20 goals a season? I think that has to be what Chicago is banking on here. Let's move a little bit to the Premier League. Some midweek games... Uh, One of them, which was interesting, was Newcastle beating Everton. Frank Lampard has just taken this job at Everton. What awaits him? Is like everything I can tell is that Everton is this total dumpster fire. And do you think Frank Lampard should have taken the job? I think at this point, I mean, managing a club of that size, 
you're only going to get that if you're Frank Lampard if you take them at what is probably their lowest point uh, because he still has to prove himself in the top flight. He got Chelsea into the Champions League, but then spent a bunch of money and kind of you know, very quickly was phased out, and Thomas Tuchel took over and won the Champions League. So you can argue it was, in some ways, a leap up in the quality of their management that allowed them to really kick on and be a top-level club. And so Lampard has to get into a position now where he earns the reputation as being a top-level manager at a club. In some ways, it's a perfect spot for him to grow that reputation, but it's a really tough job he has on. And I actually thought he got off to a really good start in the FA Cup. They they smashed Brentford 4-1, but then really the important game was not in the FA Cup, it was in the Premier League against Newcastle. If you beat Newcastle or even take a point off Newcastle, you're maintaining that distance between yourself and the relegation zone. Newcastle wins at home. They've got, you know, a, a cavalry of new signings on the way that's going to help them in their push. That Like, that's sort of, like the first result before you start to bring in I think it's Bruno Guimaraes who they brought in uh, from France who's a high, you know big money player you know they've already got Kieran Trippier but if you look at their starting lineup in terms of the new signings it's Chris Wood it's Matt Target and it's Kieran Trippier we, we haven't really seen them really take that step up in terms of having those big signings you know ready to go so the fact that Newcastle got the win at this stage shows that they're ready to stay up and Everton can all of a sudden find themselves in a rele- in a relegation scrap. Burnley grabbed a point uh, in the week against Manchester United, which was a shock result. Uh, and then uh, Norwich as well, I believe, took a point uh, on the day they were recording this. They did indeed a 1-1 against Crystal Palace. So it seems like those relegation teams are actually starting to find a bit of form. And Everton can get sucked in. And what a nightmare that job becomes if all of a sudden you're, you're managing a team in the championship with a huge wage budget that is building a new stadium. Like That all of a sudden becomes a really difficult job. I don't know if you saw the amazing graphics that came out this week from John Muller, who was a recent mm. guest. I did see Athletic. that. Yeah. Awesome graphics. Like, because they communicate so much in such simplicity. What he's done is for every team in the premier league, uh, he split the field up into the zones and colors on the graphics show if that team has control of possession in that zone or not. And, Man City basically controls almost every zone on the field, including zone 14, right above the D, except like the goalkeepers, you know, the opposing goalkeepers box. Right. And Burnley, Burnley has like basically no zones of the field <laughs> in which they yes. actually control yeah, there the is ball. No, there is no controlling of territory anywhere on the field for Burnley. And I think I think and, I think Newcastle might have been the other one where there was like I think it was just the left <laughs> flank going forward where they had controlled any territory over the course of the season. Yeah, it, those it was kind of remarkable to see it in quite that stark of contrast. Yeah, I mean, just such good work, but like that uh, really resonated, became a talking point, I think, this week. Uh, so, John, continue to con- do your good work, my friend. Um, one last thing I want to talk about before we get to our interview. Uh, another former guest, Molly Hensley Clancy from the Washington Post, had another blockbuster investigative report this week about Rory Dames, the former Chicago Red Stars coach, who resigned uh, the night of the final of the NWSL uh, last season in advance of another Molly Hensley Clancy report in the Washington Post about uh, abuse by dames of Chicago Red Stars players. This investigative story, which ended up on the front page of Wednesday's print edition of the Washington Post, um, just a, a tremendous piece of reporting about dames's 
uh, youth coaching days and all of the complaints and even uh, police investigations into his conduct uh, where Hensley Clancy talked to former players, um, talked about unwanted sexual relationships, feeling like he had power over them. And I, I strongly urge people to read it. It's not a, a pleasant read by any way, stretch, and yet it's also a really important read. And I, I, it leaves me wondering, and you and I have, have talked about this topic on previous podcasts, how much is still out there in the youth, especially in the youth soccer realm? And, you know, if we've seen it in the NWSL realm, I, I kind of shudder to think. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I would kind of encourage any of our listeners to, to get in touch if you feel like uh, like this is, this is something that maybe we can be more informed about. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that these sort of power dynamics exist um, in, the, in, in the college ranks as well. That's certainly one where I'd be super concerned about. Um, but yeah, to me, the thing that it, that sticks out with all of these stories, first off, they're, they're remarkable pieces of journalism because, you know, to, to put that on the front cover of the, of the Washington Post is remarkable and also requires a ridiculous amount of vetting and you've got to get these stories right. And so the fact that these stories are out there, it's just super disheartening, right? Because it, it makes me feel like, you know, that women's soccer is not getting the best people to work in their sport, regardless of gender. It's, you know, guy, like maybe Rory Dames would not have cut it, you know, coaching somewhere else because, you know, those players wouldn't be having that as opposed to in like maybe he thinks he can get away within the women's game. And by the way, he did. And the thing that's most disheartening is how often the structures that the sport is kind of built around fail and how often... You know, guys like this are allowed to just... Pers I mean, he was the coach of the Red Stars for a very long time. And some of these stories about how, you know, when he was coaching in, in youth soccer... He's been the coach of the Red Stars for 10 years. And so the fact that this is very clearly going on, at you would imagine, for most of that time, and that we're only just finding out about it, and we're only just kind of coming to terms with, well, it's not just these individuals. It's the system. It's the structure that can't seem to hold the power accountable it just it, it's really disheartening and you really hope that going forward there's a sea change that you know at this top level i i can't imagine it'll be tolerated much longer but what happens at the levels below like it, it is the headlines that these stories make enough to draw about that change lower down the pyramid and making sure that women can play soccer in a comfortable and secure environment yeah Players need to be protected. This is a systemic issue. The system needs to be fixed. And I, I will also say that from a media perspective, the resources that the Washington Post have given to Molly Hensley Clancy to do this reporting, I wish there were more media outlets that had that. Um, obviously, Meg Linehan at The Athletic has done really important um investigative reporting and other reporting on women's soccer. And so the athletic has given her the resources to do that. So there's a reason why this story on a Chicago coach came out in the Washington post and not in a Chicago newspaper because the Chicago newspapers don't have a dedicated investigative sports journalist for women's sports, which is what Molly Hensley Clancy is for the Washington post. So, um, 
let's leave it at that for now. Uh, as always, Chris, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Grant. Now, here's my interview with Hernan Losada. Our guest now is Hernan Losada, the second year coach of DC United. Hernan, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, Grant, how are you? Thank you for inviting me and to have this opportunity to have a good chat with you guys. Fantastic. Really appreciate it. You're out in California right now in Palm Springs for preseason training. Could you tell me how it's going so far? Great. Great weather, great uh, infrastructure, hotel, food. So everything what you need to, to practice the way I like to, to practice, the way we are trying to implement already since last year. So perfect facilities. And this is actually our second camp. We have been already one week in Florida training at the Inter Miami facilities. Um, and here is like the last part of preseason where we are planned to play three friendly games uh, tomorrow against New York Red Bulls, then next Tuesday against LAFC. And we end up uh, during the weekend against uh, LA uh, Galaxy. So when you say you, you talk about the way you like to train in the preseason, what does that mean? It means uh, train the way we play or the way we want to play. And that's with a lot of energy, with a lot of intensity, uh, trying to entertain the, the fans and, and our supporters. So, yeah, you always try to reproduce whatever you're asking to your players to do on the field, to also do it during the week and during the sessions. And uh, I believe that you, you play the same way you train. Uh, and in order to, to do that, well, you need to, to adapt and to try to replicate whatever you're going to ask to your players to do during the game, to do it also during the week. I've been reading that your players' fitness is extremely important to you at the start of the season. What did you have your players do in the last few months to make sure they were ready and fit to start this season? Yeah, they got um, an off-season program. Um, they also got uh, each player an individual watch where you can record your sessions, where you can control uh, your heart rate. Um, so our performance coaches were also uh, controlling what the players were doing, um, depending the individual needs and also depending uh, all the issues some of our players had uh, last season. They also got individual programs to try to prevent uh, injuries. Uh, and I think that off-season and pre-season is the ideal moment to train on a different way, or in, in a more individual way. Uh, to make sure that during the season you are in in top conditions to survive uh, a long season like uh, like it is MLS. Did your players arrive to preseason fit the way you wanted them to after their off-season training stuff? Yeah, yeah, definitely. They they have doing a great job. You could see the difference uh, straight away um, compared with last year, where obviously coming from a from a COVID year. Um, and such a long break, I think, was from October until March was probably the longest break they ever had. And it, it was kind of normal to, to see them coming back um, in, in, in not the best uh, conditions. And now they already know what to expect. They already know the intensity, the style of play we try to introduce. Um, and we are a lot of uh, meters 
further than than last year. Last season, your team ended up missing the playoffs by just one point. How do you view the way last season went for you and the team? Well, it's been a season with with ups and downs where, uh, unfortunately, we run a little bit out of gas uh, in the last month, month and a half. Um, uh, I think it was a great year, to be honest with you. It was my first season in MLS and and you know how difficult it is to to try to change a lot of things, to try to implement a new culture in a team who has been working the same way with the same coach for 10 years uh, in a row. So uh, someone new, new for the league, uh, a lot of new rules, a new culture. Uh, but I think that um, we all adapt, adapted pretty, pretty quick. Uh, you could see uh, the way we wanted to play. Uh, and the fans started to have a, a link um, with our style of play. Uh, most of our games were enjoyable to watch. And, I, and I, the, the, the most important things are the results, and that's what, what counts at the end of the road. But missing the, the playoff for only one point, knowing from where we are coming, um, uh, it, was, it was a great experience. And, and now we want, of course, to go even further and to achieve what we have been missing for only one point uh, in 2022. What did you learn about Major League Soccer in your first season that's different from other leagues in other countries? Well, you have a lot of different stuff um, that plays a, an important role, like uh, traveling, a lot of distance to play on the road, um, playing through the summer, something that it's also completely different with Europe, for example, when you play through the winter, uh, basically. And when the good weather starts, then comes the break and season is over. Here is the opposite. So um, you need to be flexible. You need to be capable to adapt yourself to different circumstances. Um, and I think that's a beauty of MLS. Uh, also knowing that uh, in, in, in a lot of different leagues, like, for example, from Belgium, where I'm coming from, uh, the league, the league has a style of play. Um, 80, 90% of the teams play a little bit similar. It's a defensive league. league. Uh, structure is, is the key, a very physical league. Here in MLS, you have a team from Philadelphia playing a little bit uh, counter-attack. A team from New York, like New York City, playing uh, possession-based soccer. A team like New York Red Bulls playing pressing a style. So you have many different styles of plays in the same league. And that's, that's amazing. And it makes me, it makes my job more difficult, but it's also more beautiful. No, I totally agree with you on that. Your club just signed an Ecuadorian forward, Michael Estrada. Uh, what can you tell me about him and what he brings to your team? Yeah, he's coming on loan from Toluca. Uh, it's a little bit of a profile that we didn't have in our roster. Um, he's athletic. He's uh, he has power. He's uh, he's a target nine, but it can also be someone um, with a lot of dynamic. Uh, so um, he has been starting most of the games for a quadrant team. They are, are third in in South America, um, and unfortunately, for different reasons, he didn't get the minutes he was expecting in Toluca. And that's why 
Uh, we took that opportunity and we hope he can perform the way we expect. Another player that's doing well in World Cup qualifying is Edison Flores. And he had two big goals recently for Peru in qualifying. But he's yet to produce on a consistent level for DC United. How can you get more out of Edison Flores this season? We all know the qualities of, of Edison. Um, he's an important piece for us. Again, many different reasons maybe uh, lead to, to those two last season where he was a little bit um, unlucky. Um, with different episodes, uh, injuries, COVID, uh, a fracture in his, his uh, face. I mean, many different things were um, uh, a thing to avoid uh, Eddie to have to be consistent in his performances. And he knows, and we know this is a very important year, uh, especially for all the players involved in the World Cup or with chances to be involved in the World Cup at the end of the year. So you can't have biggest, a biggest, a big that. And in order to have a good uh, World Cup, in order to qualify with Peru, he needs to have a solid year with us. And that means to stay fit, to eat well, well, to, to rest well. Uh, and when Eddie is in, in a good place, um, I'm sure Eddie will have a, a great year. So we all hope that Eddie can extend those two great performances with the Peruvian national team the rest of the season with us. You're originally from Argentina, which happens to be my adopted country. I've spent a lot of time in Argentina. Uh, who are your biggest influences from Argentina on how you view the sport of football? Well, you mean as a coach or as a player or both? Coaches, um, if I do from Argentina, are uh, Simeone from Atletico Madrid and, and Bielsa from Leeds United. Those two coaches for me uh, had a lot of different important values. Um, Simeone, Simeone Rinta, and never give up mentality and, and, and always uh, work, work, try to, to, to do more, not on 100%, but 110%. Bielsa uh, playing that dynamic uh, uh, football that we all like, uh, offensive uh, teams playing always to win, uh, pressing high. So I think that are two big examples of some of the values that I want to, to bring to, to my teams. Any particular players that have influenced your view of the sport a lot from Argentina? Well, when I was young, uh, I was always looking to creative players. Uh, when I was a, a football player, I was playing most of the time as a number 10 uh, offensive midfielder. And uh, I always look to players like uh, Riquelme, um, Saviola, uh, Cambiaso, um, you know, that generation, uh, Batistuta, um, offensive players, not only with soccer qualities, but also with big personalities. Uh, you could tell when they were on the field that the ball really transmitting a lot of energy and leading the rest of the pack, leading the rest of the team. And that was something that I, I was always impressed of those number 10s, captains, uh, really being an example for the team and, and, and in difficult moments going up for the, for the, for the team. So uh, uh, kind of my special players when I was young. So you moved your life to Washington, D.C. from Europe, where you had been the last few years, mostly in Belgium. What is living in Washington, D.C. like for you? Great, great, great city to live. I love the weather. I love the people. Um, 
Uh, they treat me really excellent. All the people here at DC United. Um, I have to say a lot of differences with Belgium. Uh, I've been 15 years, another culture, another language, another mentality. So at the beginning, it wasn't easy. Um, but I have to say now after a year, I'm, I'm fully adapted. Uh, I really like to be here. I'm, I'm learning a lot. I, I never stopped learning. Um, and I have a fantastic position that I, I really love to do. I love my job. And, and I love to live in, in Washington. So I hope I can stay here for, for many years. And of course, I hope I can achieve our goals. And that's uh, to, to win championships and to be again uh, in the spotlight and in the big, big, big United. I wanted to ask you a question about a friend of mine who is also a coach from Argentina. And her name is Evelina Cabrera. I interviewed her a few years ago about her work building women's football in Argentina when I was visiting there for a story. And a few months ago on her Instagram, she posted a photograph of her and her new boyfriend. And I was like, hey, that's the DC United coach, Hernan Lozada. Could, could you tell me the story of how you met her and started dating her? She's the most prominent women's coach from Argentina. Yes, no, she's she's awesome. Uh, seem to to have a relationship with such a, a beautiful and smart woman like like her. Uh, we met in September last year. She came for the um, uh, OEA is the organization of um, she worked. She she's um, uh, an, an, an she 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 ambassadors ambassador ambassador of uh, sports. Mm -hmm. um, and she needed to be in Washington for, for a meeting. And, well, Nicolas Frutos, my assistant, uh, she invited her to, to visit the club, to visit the stadium, because they had a friend in common. And that's how we, we started to be in contact. And, and well, until today, we are, we are living together and in a very beautiful relationship. So that's the way it was. I'm very happy for both of you. Uh, she has written books about her role in women's football. And um, I know she was coaching at uh, Pachuca, right? Um, in, in Mexico for a little while. So I hope, I hope she ends up coaching in the U.S. if that's what she wants to do or, or whatever. But um, in Yeah, any yeah. She, she really, she's looking for, um, she really would like to be again involved in a, in a club. And she's learning English right now and, She's having constantly um, options and propositions from from all over the world. She's she's a very busy woman. Uh, she's now writing he, her third book about uh, women's leadership. Uh, I think it's coming out in in April. She's constantly doing things and is full of energy and and it's very nice to be together with a, with a person like her. Well, please say hello to her for me. Um, my, my last question for you, for you would be, what are your object objectives with DC United this season? What are you what are you hoping to achieve? Look, I have to be honest with you, even if it's not realistic, um, I always play and I always work to, to be champion. Uh, and if I don't believe that, my players won't believe that. And uh, we have to set 
the biggest and most beautiful goal uh, ever. Uh, the, the biggest goal that, that we can. We have to train and wake up every day believing we can make that true. Um, and I believe we have a, a beautiful group, not only on the field, but also outside the field. And my dream is to become champions of the MLS. And I'm working very hard for that. And I, my players are working very hard for that. Is that a realistic goal for this year? I don't know, but we will try. <laughs> and so we can look at each other at the end of the season and, and we can tell we gave it all. And we did absolutely everything that was in our hands. And we can look in our faces and, and also on the, on the mirror and and be confident and with everything what we gave during this season. So that, that's the goal. That's the goal. And we know to achieve that, we need to um, qualify to the playoff. So we will try. We will try our best to, to reach the, the maximum possible for this year. Hernan Losada is the coach of DC United. Hernan, good luck this season. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the time. And well, I hope to see you soon. Maybe coming to Washington when we are going to New York, we can person. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Hernan Losada as well as producer and pundit Chris Whittingham. You can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com. The best way to support my work is by taking out a paid subscription. See you next time. <music>